0: Last time on Eclipse.
1: You have arrived at Amaron. See, now Patrick has brought up my whole big concern that we're going to go in this temple and come back and Gary's going to be gone.
2: Nobody wants that. Notice suddenly two large quadrupedal creatures. I
3: will cast Firebolt at the two rust monsters.
2: You hit it for eight and that is exactly the amount you need.
3: I'm not walking up to that thing.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You descend into the darkness finding the ancient subterranean temple to be a respite to the cold, dry wind outside. And a voice will grumble.
4: Who has come at last to my abode?
2: to Eclipse, a Dungeons & Dragons sci-fi fantasy thriller. I'm Jeremy Fair, and I'll be your Dungeon Master. I'm Adam Dweese, and I will be your Illithid Cleric, Dr. Shepard.
0: I'm Megan Kelleher, and I will be your Human Monk, Ava Elkin.
5: I'm Rob Clark, and I will be your Warforged Artificier, Info Fuskat.
0: I'm Whitney
6: Mullins, and I'll be playing Lita Nova in Asimar bard.
3: And I'm Patrick Collins, playing Kanan Varghist, the tiefling wild magic sorcerer.
2: So now that you are all descending into the darkness of this dilapidated temple, and you have heard this voice coming from within the darkness, one of the things that you notice is that you don't feel like you heard it echoing through the chamber as much as you feel like you just heard it within your own minds. All of you. What would you like to do?
3: I would like to immediately cast mage armor on myself. Uh, I would like to investigate
5: the area.
2: You can investigate the area. When you're coming down these steps, you do have the dark vision that Dr. Shepard had granted to you. I think it lasts about an hour. So you are able to see a little bit into this dark chamber. The stairs go down for about 15 feet or so, and they seem to empty out into some sort of large uh, stone hallway. It's probably about maybe 10 or 15 feet long, close to 5 feet wide. It seems to open up into a much larger room. One of the things that you notice um, from where you are all standing kind of in this hallway at the base of the stairs is that there are what look to be two statues that are kind of sitting on the edge of a stone ledge. Like It kind of forms like an upper balcony that's overlooking a larger room that, based from just where you're standing, you, you assume it might be some sort of main waiting area. It's very, very large But you actually don't see much of anything. You certainly don't see any light coming from within the room. And besides that voice that you had heard in your minds, you don't hear any other sounds coming from within either. Oi, Steve lad,
5: light it up there, would you? Light it up and maybe take a few steps in front of us there just to give us a little leeway.
2: So Steve activates his lights and they start to shoot out these bright beams into this otherwise entirely dark ancient temple. What does that look like? Where do these lights come from on Steve? It's
5: kind of like one of those ring lights that the the, the cool kids use in their podcasting and stuff. like YouTubers Yeah, have. like the, the cool kids. It's just like the around the edge of the magicom. it's just like little LED lights that just like blink out and just kind of fan out and like a, a really nice mag light slash ring light.
0: Steve has a beauty vlog yeah. on the side. <laughs> no, Rodney
5: does. He does like the, he does the like cream foam art and uh, Steve videotapes Steve's it and broadcasts it. Steve's the cameraman. It. Yeah. He's
1: got
2: a boom mic that sticks.
0: He has so many followers. He has more
2: followers than me. <laughs> So as Steve kicks on his ring light, it illuminates the area in front of you immediately. With the dark vision that you have, you were all able to see decently into the area in front of you, though seeing color is a little bit of a problem. But now that this bright light has been turned on, one of the things I stand out to you immediately is that the walls are actually quite colorful. Both sides of the hallway on either side of you are kind of a bright red, and they seem to have various designs with like a bright blue sort of almost metallic looking paint that might even be some sort of liquid form of lapis. It seems to just be shining brilliantly. However, you can see a layer of dust that is making the brilliant colors all the more dull. Another thing you notice as soon as these lights are turned on There appears to be arrow slits built into the walls on both sides of you. There are two on either side for a total of four arrow slits in this hallway. You were all standing directly where they would be aiming. So you can assume that if there was some sort of threat on the other side of the arrow slits, it would have already done something by now. But that is one thing you notice. You also notice that at the end of this small hallway, it looks like there was once a gate that has long ago rusted and been quite literally chewed to bits much of it is missing and there's only a few remnants of this rusted gate that still exists and it seems like they once formed a a second door between the hallway that you're standing in and the balcony that overlooks the main room in this temple but the light doesn't reveal to you any sort of creature or anything like that you don't see anything that's alive
3: Is there any writing on the walls? You said there were, like, decorative pieces on the wall. Can I discern if any of them are text?
2: Yeah, why don't you do an investigation check?
3: Sure. Awesome. I rolled a 1.
2: All right, so with a natural 1, you really aren't able to tell. In fact, you are just more distracted by how dusty and nasty these walls are. You try to go closer to them so you can examine them, and if anything, you are just realizing how clean the eclipses because this place is absolutely disgusting it seems like it's actually hard to make out any of the details on the walls without first removing a little bit of the grime that has been building up for who knows how many centuries
6: well can Lita cast prestidigitation digitation to get rid of all of the dust and grime everywhere just like feel like oh this is messy and just start cleaning the walls so they can read it
2: Sure, you can cast Prestidigitation. Well, what does that look like when you're casting Prestidigitation? Are you focusing on a certain area? Or are you just trying to clean the whole hallway?
6: Um, so she can only clean it um, about a cubic foot at a time. Um, So she would take her time on the wall, like, going through and just, like, trying to clean all the little pieces of it. I don't really think it looks much like anything other than her just, like, waving her hand over it and it becoming clean as she passes over the wall.
2: Yeah, as you're moving your hand across the wall, the prestidigitation magic is just, it's almost like you're wiping it with a magic eraser or something. It's just literally erasing all of the dirt and all of the grime anywhere that you are focusing your hand and beneath that you are now able to see the art on the walls in much more brilliant detail the color is very bright and there's actually a texture to the wall that is adding a lot to the detail it seems that the lapis drawings and lines do seem to in many cases match like some sort of script or handwriting what languages does Lita know?
6: Um, she knows Celestial, Common, and Gith.
2: So looking at these, you would assume just based on the way it's written that it does look similar to some sort of written language, but you do not know what these characters mean.
6: Okay. Um, Lita would turn to the rest of the party and say, um, I cannot read what this says. Does anybody recognize this language?
3: Kanan speaks Deep Speech, Infernal, and Common.
0: I got Common, Dwarvish, Elvish, and Gnomish.
1: Uh, my, my language is not updated apparently because it says none, which is inherently incorrect because I have spoken.
0: Just a little French from high school.
1: But yeah, I would assume as a mind flirt I'd, I'd, I would at least know Common and Deep Speech. I have Loxodon and... Exotic.
0: (laughs) Why can you speak Loxodon?
5: Aren't those the big old
0: elephants? He did a year abroad.
5: (laughs) (laughs) I was just like, I'm going to pick the ones that I don't think anyone else will pick. That's a good idea. Cover the bases. Well done.
1: Now watch. Next arc when we run into the big group of elephants, (laughs) Info's going to be our guy.
2: So, Ava, as you watch Lita cast Prestidigitation on the wall and remove some of this built-up layers of grime and dirt, though she is unable to recognize the characters, you see that they do seem to resemble Dwarven script, which you would know that a lot of Orcish language is based off of Dwarven script and that they often use it for writing. However, even with your understanding of Dwarven script, all of this only seems to be derivative of that language, or perhaps Dwarvish is derivative of this language. There are symbols that you do recognize and others that you don't. Based on what you see, there seems to be mention of the word Groomshog multiple times. A lot of these words, though, seem to just be perhaps names to you. A lot of them are similar to some Orcish names that you've heard on Corel. But all of these words seem to be a different version of the Dwarven script that you are used to orcs and dwarves using on Torel. So you're pretty certain that it was written by the original Groomshog orcs who lived here, but you're having a hard time really figuring it out, even with your understanding of that language. But you do notice that some of the lines aren't script, and some of them seem to be adding to a drawing, and what the images on the walls are depicting seems to be armies of what look to be similar to orcs all carrying spears and they seem to be fighting some sort of massive creature that is according to the drawing i mean at least 20 or 30 times the size of of the depiction of any of the orcs that are in the drawing but other than that you're not really able to discern too many specific detail
0: right i speak dwarvish and it, it looks like dwarvish uh orcish script is not that different. It's sort of all part of the big language family. Um, this, I think, says Groomshog. It looks like mostly names, I think. It's it's not really a dialect, I understand, but look at, look at this over here. Is that, I mean, that looks like a drawing, right?
3: What does this massive creature look like?
2: So the creature in the drawing, it's like a two-dimensional cave art-type drawing, so a lot of details are lost in the simplicity of the drawing itself. But this creature seems to be standing on two very large legs. It has two extremely small arms. It's kind of bulbous in shape. It has, it looks to be exaggerated horns and spikes going down its spine. And it kind of has this like long barbed tail. They didn't really add a lot of color. A lot of the color is just the redness of the walls and then the blue of the lapis. But then there's also white and black ink that they have used to add some detail and to differentiate the lines a little bit. But they really didn't put too many details. So the skin on this creature is just the color of the wall, which is the same color they used for the skin on the orcs and any of the background features. It's more so just a line drawing, and they just use a couple different colors to kind of add a little bit of detail to it. You can attempt to make an insight check if you would like to see if you've ever seen anything similar to this. Maybe you might be able to guess what it is based on the drawing. I rolled a 10 on my insight. So with a 10, you are not certain. In fact, the only time you've ever seen something like this has been in really ancient books that you've studied while attending the University of Waterdeep. It, it kind of looks like what many ancient drawings in Terrell look like when they're trying to depict a creature that's known as the World Eater, often called the Terrasque. Cool.
0: Would I be able to recognize whether this is some sort of memorial? The
2: drawings on the walls definitely look like these orcs that are on the drawings seem to be fighting the Tarrasque. It doesn't look like they're worshipping it. They certainly seem like they're in combat against it. There are a number of them, uh, at least a couple dozen, stabbing at its feet. There are, now that you look at it, a few of them seem to be almost trying to climb on top of this gargantuan creature. Whether it's a memorial to a real event, you are not certain, but it definitely seems like the image is depicting a battle against this creature and not some sort of uh, ceremony, not worshipping it or anything like that.
3: Hey guys, if I didn't know any better, I'd swear this is a really crappy Tarasque drawing.
0: I mean, I'm not sure I could do a better one, so...
5: Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. A Tarasque, You mean like one of the bloody eaters of planets? Oh yeah,
3: that's exactly what I'm talking about.
2: You would also know as people who are involved in interplanetary space travel that Tarasks are not only thought to be a mythical creature, no one is actually certain that they've existed. Every culture in the history of Torah, most cultures, especially ancient ones, depict Tarasks in a lot of their art, but no one has ever found any sort of remnants of one. No one in the last couple thousand years, at least, recorded history on Torrell, has ever reported seeing one alive. It just seems to be like this legend that everyone knows that's attached to everyone's history, but no one's ever seemed to experience the terrible power of the terras. However, it is such a common creature, it's such a common representation of all destruction of life that extremely large stars are actually often referred to as Tarask. is a ranking of star to describe ones that have gone to a certain level where they are so large that they are soon going to become a black hole and begin to suck things into them so because it is like a world eater in itself it is often a category used to categorize stars but that's, like, really the most you know about the other than just the legends.
1: Are the legends usually uh, tied pretty much only to Terrell, or are there legends of multiple Tarrasque out in the universe? I'm just trying to think if we need to be worried about Trask being on this moon.
2: Well, you've never heard of a confirmed case of Tarasks. It's something that the elves and some of the dwarves and some of the other species that actually live out in the galaxy apart from Tyrell, the ones that never populated Terrell and that they've been traveling the stars for thousands of years. With your relations with those people and the interactions you've had with them, you would know that the Tarrasque is common in other cultures as well. Cool. But nothing about this seems to confirm whether or not there would be a Tarrasque on this planet. It certainly is large enough to house a Tarrasque, though no one's ever seen one, so it's really hard to tell. But if the drawings are accurate, it is easily more than 100 times the size of one of these orcs, in the drawing. Gotcha. I mean, there's crowds of them just attacking its toes.
3: Cool. Would it be safe to assume that, as far as we're concerned, we would consider a Tarrasque like an intergalactic boogeyman? Like a
1: like a legend, just a wives' tale legend?
2: Yeah, it's depicted as the watchdog of the gods. It is a creature that, in mythology, is sent by the gods to do their dirty work when a population has become too heinous or they have grown too much in power when they have reached too far towards the stars and have tried to achieve godhood themselves. According to legend, the gods usually smite down that sort of power by sending brass to destroy everything in its wake.
0: All right, well, let's not panic yet. It's probably a metaphor for the hubris of man.
2: Mm, Yes, but just
1: in case, Ava, keep your eyes peeled. And I'm going to place my hand on Ava's shoulder and... Uh, I'm going to use my Vigilant Blessing feature, which will grant Ava advantage on the next uh, initiative roll, just in case.
2: And it lasts until they make an initiative roll. So.
0: All right. Thanks, Doc. I will.
2: Is there anything else you would like to do while you are in this little hallway? Um, one thing of note is that after hearing that voice speak to you all initially... It hasn't come back. You haven't heard anything. Even with this conversation that you've been having and even with the visible light that is being shined into this place from Steve, you still haven't heard any other movements or any other signs of life or anything other than that initial voice you heard when you had first entered probably one or two minutes ago.
1: Speaking of, I have telepathy as a racial trait, as a mind flayer, and I don't know exactly how that would work since you mentioned we, it seems like this thing was talking to us all telepathically individually, right?
2: Yeah, and another strange thing is you all heard it in your own race's native language.
1: Okay. If I were to try, I don't know exactly how my telepathy works, to be honest, so I don't know if I could like try to communicate back to it telepathically or not. Um, I don't know if I like have to see the creature I'm talking to telepathically. It literally just says, they have to be within 30 feet, so I'm guessing that's going to be a big no. I'm hoping it's going to be a big no. Let me rephrase that.
2: Do you want to talk to it telepathically?
1: I was going to try. It needs to be within 30 feet of me, and Jeremy, if I can talk to this thing, i will be really fucking spooked, to be honest.
2: You try to reach your thoughts out to see if you can connect whatever the source of this voice was inside of your head
1: um hello you still
2: up there got a name but nothing responds
1: okay i don't think the creature is within 30 feet of us because that's my range of telepathy i think we're safe Shall we
3: continue? Judging by the look of this place, I think safe is a pretty strong term. Safe
1: from the spooky body-rattling
5: voice. Thirty feet? Thirty feet's nothing, lad. Look at all the wee little bastards stabbing at thing's toes. What if it's that thing? That thing could smell us 30 feet away. We'd be up his nose in five steps. How big is this temple again? Can it hold one of those big bastards that's getting all of his toes stabbed by the wee little guys?
2: You haven't gone deep enough into this temple to really get a good idea of how large it is. The large opening that you can see at the end of the hallway using your dark vision is certainly a large room. But based on the drawing, it doesn't appear to be large enough to house something of that size. You can't see everything in the temple from where you stand, but if the room in front of you is like the kind of main grand chamber, it certainly seems much too small to hold something that large. But as you're all talking and deliberating this, just a few seconds after you tried to reach out into the darkness using your telepathy, you will all once again hear that voice.
4: Who has come? Have you come at last to finish me off?
1: I already tried talking to it so maybe one of you or
6: sorry did you say finish you off who sent you
4: I do not smell githyanki so why have you come Mm, I see how it is
1: answers Leda, but not the illithid
6: we've simply come to research the temple we did not know anyone was here
4: Explore
6: Yes, I am an archaeologist So I enjoy researching really old things Are you really old?
4: I have been here for A couple centuries Waiting for your return
6: Oh, well, I've never been here, so
4: And what of you? You smell familiar mm, that's Rodney
1: He makes really good coffee.
4: Are you part of the core? Or have you wandered?
6: Um. What is the core?
4: You are illithid, yes.
1: Now he's talking to me, yes, yes, yes. The,
4: The tentacles give it away.
3: Great doc, you made a friend. Why
4: did you create me just to abandon me? And
5: why do you now return with these archaeologists? Excuse me, laddie, I'm I'm an anthropologist, not an archaeologist. There's a difference. I'm also an amateur barista, but, you know, that's neither here nor there.
4: I care little for the titles of your warrior class. (laughs) If you have come for battle, then to the death I will fight.
1: Barista's not the warrior class exactly. Um, there's been a mistake. I've broken with the Elder Brain, so I have no
4: knowledge of this place. You are free from the core.
1: Hmm. I've never heard anybody call it core, but yes.
4: And what's of. Mutations. How do you avoid such things if you do not devour the thoughts of others for the core?
1: Mm, brain tubes.
4: And of the rest of you, you don't seem illithid. Much has changed in the last few centuries, I assume.
6: I mean, Doc's really cool, if that's what you were referring to. Mm,
1: they still won't eat my brain tubes, luckily. And
4: what of the invasion? Was it a success?
1: Mm, which one was
4: that? Who are you? What sort of a lithid are you? You are no a
1: lithid. i trying to break the stereotypes.
4: So if you have come to this place, and yet your allegiance is not with the core. Then I ask you again what business have you in my abode?
1: Purely academic. If your
4: purpose here is merely academic, and you have not come to destroy. Perhaps a chance for an alliance still stands. After all, your friend Shepard here seems to get along with you with little problem. How do you know my name? I can't say the word "Elithid" without your name sparking in the minds of all of your friends here are you sure they trust you as much as you believe yes
1: 98% i'd say at least 95 yes strong 95
0: love this shitster disembodied voice <laughs> trying to uh trying to sow discord sir or um your your honor uh could we potentially just look around Is that okay?
4: I have no issue with your presence here, but know you this, if you are attempting to spread falsehoods, and you truly have come to hunt me, I will retaliate.
5: Oh, no worries, laddie. We didn't even know you were here, like we said, but I I was wondering... Would you be able to give give us a heads up if any of these wee little rust bastards uh, like to eat metal Or around the corner? I'm particularly uh, concerned about them and my own personal arse.
4: Yes, those pests have destroyed much of my work, and yet I am unable to stop them. You see, I have been concealed here for quite some And if you are willing to help me, then perhaps I can be willing to help you with your
1: academics. Mm, Like a guided tour.
5: Or like one of those wee little things that you clip on your belt and it tells you all about the history and stuff, but without the awkward belt clippy thingy. That sounds pretty nice. Mm. Uh, w- what would we have to do to get this here guided daughter? Would we have to exterminate some of these wee pasty bastards for you? Or is there a queen or a, or, a, or a nest or something that we could just uh, do a little bit of the old uh, smashy smashy on?
4: What you do with those vermin is of little consequence to me. But if you need my aid, then I need you to release me.
5: That's that a good think, uh, but uh, in, in the meantime, what, what's your name? We, we can't call you the, the disembodied voice in our bloody heads. Do you have a name? Could I just call you out Roger or something?
4: I was never given a traditional name, only a title. The core calls me the Engineer.
0: Hey, that's kind of cool. I'm a
3: bit of an engineer myself.
4: And what of you? I have never sensed Something mechanical and yet organic. You are very strange. And why is it that I sense such a fog defending your mind? What are you?
5: laddie? it's called scotch. I drink a lot of it, so my mind stays pretty foggy in general. So... I don't think you have to worry about any sort of surreptitiousness or anything there. Uh, but uh, you say you're the engineer. I'm just going to call you Tucker. We're going to call you Tucker, <laughs> and that'll be it. And we're just going to go about our business here. And if we come across any of those wee little bastards that do the rusty, bitey stuff, we'll, we'll give them the little old smashy smashy for you. Tucker? What is this
4: Tucker? Is this a name? give to your champions. (laughs) Yes.
3: (laughs) Yeah, totally. It's an honored name, especially for engineers.
6: Oh yes, absolutely. if you beat
3: a thousand foes, you are Tucker. You're a bad mother, Tucker. There can only be one.
0: You have to kill the previous Tucker in order to become the new Tucker.
3: (laughs) If you find a
5: guy named Dale, you'll be able to take on any evil. (laughs) Mm,
4: This title is fitting, yes, because I am, of course, one of a kind. I think I will accept this, Tucker.
0: <laughs> He's so confident.
4: In exchange for your aid and my freedom, I will grant you entry into my home.
3: Hey, guys, did he just say freedom? Mm-mm.
6: Um, He did, and I don't think that we actually agreed to that part.
5: Just smile and nod last. Smile and nod. Oh, yeah.
6: Yeah, sure, hmm. mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
5: All righty, and away we go. Mm, who's leading? I'll lead. Oh, lass. Let, let Steve lead. He's, he's a wee bit more expendable, <laughs> in case there's any booby traps. I'll
6: lead after Steve. I mean you say that, but he did say that there's those metal-eating beasts around the corner, so if you do that, then yeah. he might get attacked first. Which...
2: That's true. So would you all like to travel further into the temple? Yes. Yes.
0: Yeah.
1: Cautiously pass these arrow slits
5: that are very ominous.
0: Steve and I will go hand in hand.
5: Yeah, Steve will hold her hand. His his little, oh. like, T1000 looking liquid metal hand, finger just, like, curls around her hand like a small child, and he just kind of, like, blop, 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 blop. Just, like, waddles along next to her like a penguin. <laughs> what does Apricot think of that?
0: Apricot is still in her pocket. She's uh, she's sitting pretty.
5: She's the only one that didn't hear the voice in her head.
0: Yeah, she just thinks we're on vacation.
2: <laughs> I'm Jeremy, and I'm Jerundu. and we are the hosts of Dice Talk on the Majestic Goose Podcast Network. Dice Talk is a Dungeons and Dragons and tabletop podcast that dives into the deep topics of tabletop role playing games.
4: Join us as we speak with passionate content creators, podcasters, authors, and more as we discuss
2: all manner of tabletop and geek-related content. Dice Talk is a bi-weekly show, so we're hitting your podcatchers with fresh new episodes every other week, filling your ears with exclusive interviews and conversations that you can't find anywhere else.
4: Every episode is a new opportunity to hear from different creators in the tabletop community and just talk about Dungeons & Dragons and any other tabletop games that have made us who we are. Dice Talk,
2: now on the Majestic Goose Podcast Network. Make sure you check us out and subscribe so you never miss an episode.
1: A Majestic Goose Podcast.
4: Ow.
3: Do you suffer from chronic storytelling dysfunction? Do you find you're overrun with trite tropes and cliché character patterns? Well, you're not alone. In my old age, I
1: was tired of boring stories, but thanks to Dice Chronicles, I feel young again.
3: If you suffer from a lack of creative world-building or one-dimensional character development, Dice Chronicles may be just what you need. My characters always felt flat and unable to perform, but with Dice Chronicles, I'm not afraid of being my true self. Before I started listening to Dice Chronicles, I felt so alone in my hunger. But now I'm a first-rate villain. Dice Chronicles gave me a purpose, but most importantly, it gave me a terrible French accent. Hi, I'm Yarn, and before Dice Chronicles, I used to be terrified of magic, but now after just a few episodes, I've got magic pouring out of my eyeballs. I used to suffer from crippling anxiety, but thanks to Dice Chronicles, now I only suffer from anxiety from going on an adventure with my friends. Dice Chronicles is not responsible for rolling natural ones, TPKs, or the general feeling that our characters are better than yours. Ask your DM today if Dice Chronicles is right for you. Find us at podbean.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.
2: As you all begin to delve deeper into this subterranean temple, you find that you are now standing on a large platform that appears to be overlooking some sort of Grand Hall. The platform itself is actually quite massive. It's about 25 feet long, almost about 80 feet wide. And on both the right and the left are these enormous sets of stairs that descend into the main portion of the temple that this foyer-type area sort of overlooks. In front of each of the stairs at the top are two very large pillars that seem to be supporting the ceiling and there is a stone and iron fence that is built as a sort of railing going up alongside the sides of the stairs and then also forming something for you to lean on if you were to overlook the main portion of this temple. You also notice that there are two statues that are located up on top of this sort of foyer area. One of them, the one to the right, appears to be in much worse condition. It's nearly completely collapsed. Many of its features are smoothed over and eroded with time whereas the statue on the left seems to be, for the most part, still standing. Both of the statues are depicting what kind of look like orcs from Terrell except these orcs both have very long ponytails that are braided, and they both seem to have tusks that, at least as depicted in these two statues, are much, much, much longer than the tusks of a lot of the orcs that you have encountered on Terrell in the center of this large chamber that the foyer is overlooking, you notice a tattered purple rug in the middle of the room that seems to cover about a 30-foot area. Um, It seems that there is a large pile of rocks collapsed from the ceiling right in the center of it. So it's actually piled up in the center of the room and there are eight stone chairs that are set around the center of this room around the rug and they're all spaced equidistant from one another. You also see that there are four more pillars in the center of this temple area that are supporting the ceiling. And from where you stand, you can see that there are a great number of doors that exist within this temple. To your right and left, immediately after coming out of the hallway, you see two iron doors. It seems to lead to the areas where the arrow slits were coming from. And then you see that beyond those two doors, at, the, at either side of this long foyer-type area, you see two more sets of double doors. The ones to the east on your right appear to be open partially, whereas the doors to your left seem to be closed. What would you like to do?
5: Uh, Info would like to slowly make his way to the doors that are closed.
2: And Rodney's right with me. Did you want to go and examine the double doors that are to the far left by the top of the stairs, or would you like to look at the iron doors that seem to be leading to the areas where the arrow slits are coming from? Uh,
5: Let's examine these iron doors see what the what is with those
2: guys. Okay, as Steve turns and shines his light against that, you see that these iron doors are very very rusted. They have completely lost their kind of gray silvery color and they're almost exclusively like this red bronzy color and and they've absolutely been just destroyed by time. Both of them seem sealed. They don't have any sort of markings on them, though you can clearly see like a large handle as well as a spot where a key would be inserted to lock or unlock the door from the outside. Anybody handy with a lockpick?
0: I'm checking my character sheet to see if I've become a rogue in the last 10 minutes. Right.
3: (laughs) See if it's locked. If so, I I might have something that could help us. Oh, silly me. I didn't even see if it was actually locked.
2: Might jiggle the handle a wee bit here. So Info grabs this large, rusty iron handle, and you start to move it a little bit to see if the door is locked. It does seem to do about a quarter of a turn, so you don't feel like it's locked. However, it's very hard to open. seems like the handle itself is rusted into place, and if you apply too much force, you're probably more at risk of breaking the handle off than forcing the door open.
5: Uh, I have, uh, like, every tool imaginable. Is there a way I could maybe use... uh, Somehow I have thieves' tools, didn't even realize that. Um, Can I use, like, Tinker's tools or something to work on the latch there to, like, undo the latch so it doesn't just break off in my hand when I try and force the door?
2: Sure, how would you like to do that? Do you want to try to, like, oil it, or do you want to try to, like, take it off, see if you can, like, remove the doorknob entirely, or what would you like to do?
5: I think I'm going to try and remove the whole mechanism, but first, Rodney, laddie. Uh, make me a really thick a thick long draw of an espresso one of those nice oily ones that's got that acidic quality see if we can maybe use the oily acidityness to clean up the locking mechanism here and I'll tinker with it a wee bit and see if we can remove it and pop
3: open this here door I'd like to help Info with examining the mechanism on the door I also am proficient with tinker tools.
2: Okay, so yeah, he can have advantage since he is helping you out.
6: Lita would probably go up to the rug and the stone chairs and see if she could examine them and figure out if there's any significance to the way it's laid out or if she's ever seen anything like this in any of her other adventures.
2: Okay, so would you like to walk down the large steps and move into the center of the temple?
6: Yeah, she would walk down the stairs and make her way over there.
2: So Lita is going to start moving down these enormous stone steps towards the center of the temple to check out some of the chairs as well as the wreckage in the center of the room near the purple carpet. Meanwhile, Kanan and Info are working to get into this rusted door and trying their best to not break the handle off. What about Dr. Shepard and Ava? What are you doing during this time?
0: I would definitely peek into the open door to my right.
2: Alright, so Ava, as the two of them are working on the door and Lita goes towards the center of the temple, you begin to move towards the east, and that is where there are the two double doors that are slightly open. You said that you would like to go over there and kind of peek through.
0: Yeah, I'll see what I can see just by peeking through the doorway.
2: Ava, as you walk over to these two double doors and peek through, you notice that the room on the other side is just as dark as everything else in this temple. You look to see what looks to be a room that is about twice as wide as the awning that you're all standing on that overlooks the center of the room. It seems to have an area that is rounded with some sort of metal device— That in the center of the floor. This metal device has a large mechanism protruding out of it that rises up about four feet. And it kind of looks like a series of coils attached to some sort of wheel. There are a number of handles that are attached to the walls surrounding this mechanism in the middle of the room. There are six of them in total, and each of them appear to be exactly five feet away from that weird mechanism. You also see that to the right is a kind of smaller hallway at which there stands a large statue of a, some sort of bipedal creature. And to your left, you see yet another set of open doors that are exactly identical to the ones that you're peering through now. They, too, appear to be slightly open. Um, one of the things that really catches your eye is that this whole room smells even more strongly of rust than most of this temple does anyways and it seems that that giant device, whatever that mechanism is it is the source of that stench as it is completely rusted over a, a pretty ridiculous degree it seems like it is made entirely out of metal nothing like the kind of compounded stone and metal architecture that's outside While this is all happening, Info manages to roll a 17 with Kanan helping him out. So Info, you are able to add a little bit of oil and a little bit of acidic liquid to this handle, and you are slowly able to begin to work some of the rust off of the groove just enough for you to actually turn the handle without breaking it. You can feel as you're turning it with your pretty strong mechanical fingers that this Iron really is weak, that if you weren't taking the precautions you were, it might just simply snap in half, but the two of you are able to figure out a way to open it without damaging the door. And you hear a click, and suddenly the door appears to open. Would you like to do anything? You certainly have got the handle.
5: Do do I... Does my perception let me know if this is a push or a pull so I don't just like run into it like an idiot? It's a it's a pull. It's a if pull. It's a door. sign. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that'd be that'd be real epic to get open and then just walk into it like a moron. Well, first thing I'm going to do is look over and go, "Aye, good job, lad," and give Rodney a little fist bump and then I'm going to push the door open. You going to pull the door open? Pull. Pull, <laughs> Info. You asked and still pulled.
0: Good thing you asked. Damn it.
5: See?
1: Now you look goofy in front of everybody except Lita. Lita's the only person that can't uh, see you now. Not in
2: front of Tucker.
1: Oh, Tucker probably saw that. Shit, Tucker's so disappointed in me. Now Tucker's going to fuck us up. He senses weakness.
5: I'm going to pull the door open and look inside. Just like six inches so I can like peek in. Me and Rodney under me.
2: After spending this moment to make sure you're able to work the door open without breaking the handle, you pull it open and it's kind of stuck at first, but you are able to just kind of give it a, a nice hard tug and the door will open. Dust and tiny bits of speckled rust kind of shower down from the top of the door onto the ground below you, and you are looking into a small chamber. It only appears to be about 10 by 10 feet in size. You can clearly see that there is nobody inside. It seems, for the most part, empty, except there are absolutely the wider portions of the arrow slits where people would normally aim to shoot people on the other side. And directly in front of those two arrow slits are two stone chairs where it seems that guards could sit while they're waiting for their victims.
0: That's nice.
2: Also, up against the wall to the west, which is behind those two stone chairs, so the side opposite of the arrow slits, you see a weapons rack. On this weapons rack, you see two spears two javelins and a longbow. There's also a cylindrical rack in the corner that seems to be holding a dozen or so arrows. All of these things look absolutely rusted to hell, but they are nonetheless weapons that are just kind of on this wall. It seems like the javelins and spears could fit through the arrow slits, as could any of the arrows. So this is just a small armory of sorts for the guards that might have once inhabited this room.
5: Oi. These were some lazy guards. They had a chair to lounge on their asses in when they were supposed to be guarding the hallway. No wonder this place is on such a state. Dr. Shepard is, at this moment, kind of having
1: a little bit of a, a panic attack because they really like to keep an eye on everybody, make sure everybody's nice and safe. And right now, we have split the party about four ways Uh, so as Dr. Shepard is kind of trying to find a middle ground between everybody I'm going to walk a little bit over towards those stairs that lead a walk down and kind of stand on top of the stairs overlooking down towards Lita and that way I'm by Ava and then can also have a bead on uh, Kanan and Info.
2: So as Dr. Shepard walks over to the top of the stairs on the right, you see that Ava is looking through the two double doors and whatever it is that she sees, she seems to be pretty fascinated with as she has been spending the last minute or so just peering into here you see that Lita is making her way down these stairs towards the center of the room where there's that pile of rubble, and you are able to see from your higher vantage point that there is a movement on the opposite side of the pile of rubble that Lita is standing near, and you see out of the corner of your eye two more of those rust monsters. They both seem to be feeding on the rusted metal and stone because just like the stone outside, this stone that has fallen from the ceiling also appears to be made of that weird combination of the iron and stone. So it too is covered in this rust. They don't seem to be too worried about Lita's presence. That being said, she still is a good 20 feet away from the nearest one. You see them, it does not appear that she sees them from her vantage point.
1: Well... There is something that I've been uh, considering for a little bit for Dr. Shepard, and that is I was kind of wanting to have my telepathic voice to be different than my in-person bespoke voice, mostly because it seems like it's taken me dang so long to talk in that voice, so... I would love it if I could have, like, a different telepathic voice, and if so, I'm going to be definitely talking to Lita telepathically right here, if that is cool with you, Jeremy.
2: Yeah, you can absolutely talk to Lita using your telepathy. However, you are unsure as to the telepathic powers of Tucker, so whatever you say, you are not certain whether or not Tucker would be able to hear these telepathic communications.
1: Yeah, I'm just going to say to Lita telepathically, um, um, you know, watch out. There's two of those rust monsters down there eating that carpet. You see them?
6: Alita kind of looks back at you and like thumbs ups you, but she doesn't want to say anything since she's next to them. So she like starts slowly backing back towards the staircase.
2: You're able to hear their warning pretty easily as Dr. Shepard communicates to you telepathically. As they bring this to your attention, you do certainly notice them now, now that you are looking for the creatures that are in the center of the room. As you back up towards the stairs and you start to go up a few of the steps to get a slightly elevated point of view, you now are able to see them quite easily, and if it wasn't so dark in here, and if perhaps you weren't also one, enamored with the overall aesthetic of this temple that you've come to investigate, and two, that there's a super creepy voice that you're not really certain if you're able to trust or not, You were slightly distracted, but now that Dr. Shepard has brought this to your attention, you certainly see that there are two of the rust monsters feeding or foraging this kind of pile of rusted stone in the middle of the room. Now that you're on the steps and you are able to see them, would you like to do anything?
6: I don't think so. She's definitely just enamored by, like, everything around her. This is, like, her, you know, in-the-zone territory getting to go Dungeon delve. She did just want to, like, try to see if the actual setup meant anything to her, she wouldn't attack them unless everybody else was like, hey, we should attack them. So she wouldn't, like, turn hostile towards them or anything.
2: Then we will go back to Ava. Ava, you were peering into this room that had the rounded alcove with the rusted mechanism in the center and these strange levers and wheel like controls connected to the walls around it. What would you like to do? Are you still investigating this room or are you just kind of glancing in here to see if there's anything of interest?
0: I think that considering how strongly this rusty mechanism smells, uh, Apricot would practically try to leap out of her pocket, and I would have to catch her and hold her back from running up to it, but she's, like, sniffing away. And I have to admit, Ava really likes a puzzle, so I don't think she'd be able to stop herself from going up to see how this thing works.
2: All right. Shepard, as you are standing here and, and overlooking the edge of the balcony to make sure no harm befalls Lita you hear Ava behind you begin to move away and as you look over your shoulder you see her disappear between these two stone doors and into the darkness on the other side. What would you like to do?
1: It's like a parent that has they're outnumbered by their kids and they cannot keep an eye on all of them at the same time. Oh jeez. Well beans. I guess if uh, Lita's looking like uh, Lita's coming back up the stairs towards me. Kanan and Info have got each other's back. I guess I'm going to have to follow Ava (laughs) to make sure uh, Ava doesn't go punching anything that she shouldn't be punching. So I'm going to go into the room behind Ava. All
2: right, Dr. Shepard, you squeeze through these two stone doors, and this room is also very dark. And you will see Ava standing in front of a somewhat large mechanism that's in the center of a rounded alcove. To your right, Dr. Shepard, you see a large statue. It appears to be roughly in the same shape of a warforged. However, this statue appears to be one not made of stone. Instead, it looks like it is made of bits of metal. In fact, it looks kind of like a giant warforged in a way, except a very except like a very rudimentary version of it. It almost kind of seems like a prototype for the warforged. Except this thing's about I don't know, maybe ten or eleven feet tall. The width of its shoulders is probably close to four feet at least, and its head is closer to the size of your torso. Would you like to do anything else? That's just what you notice upon glancing over at it.
1: Uh, I think Shepard is mostly just really focused on uh, what Ava's doing and making sure that uh, she's not you know, putting her fingers anywhere that she shouldn't be, anything that's going to get a finger chopped off and I would like to talk to both Kanan, Info, and Lita, and just kind of give them a heads up. Um, Hey, everybody, Ava wanted to come into this creepy rust room, so we're in here right now. If y'all want to just stop on in here uh, so we don't get split up any
2: further.
6: Oh, yeah, sounds good. No problem.
2: Info and Kanan, you are both in this side room where you had found these rusted weapons, and you suddenly hear the voice of Dr. Shepard trying to contact you telepathically. How would you like to respond to this? Or what are you doing in this room just as you hear his voice begin to enter your minds?
3: Kanan would be standing next to Info, kind of checking out this weapons rack. And then I'd turn to him and say, "Uh, Well, Info, looks like we found a nasty closet and Doc seems to be getting a little worried. So what say we head head that way?
5: Yeah, these weapons are shite.
3: Uh, I
5: wish he wouldn't stick his damn tentacly mind into my bloody mind all the time though it just fucking creeps me out come on Rodney let's go the the doctor wants to see us over here in the the creepy rusty room because that's gonna be an improvement
1: <laughs> well hey it's probably an improvement over a shitty closet as Kanan put it <laughs> we're really
0: we're uh, really not being very kind to tucker's house we're like showing up at his house like wow this sucks
5: oh shit
3: <laughs> i didn't even think of that Oh, man. Well, it sounds like it's his prison, so. Yeah, it sounds that way, right? I fucking
1: hope Tucker can hear us. Tucker's like, yeah, this place is
6: a shithole. <laughs> yeah.
0: Jeez. Thanks for inviting us to your gross house, Tucker. I, I would love to see if I can uh, tell what's going on with this rusty machine.
2: All right. Why don't you make an alien technology check?
0: It's not my best one, but we're gonna see. Um. But is
2: it your worst one? No, uh, that's a 16. So with a 16, you are examining this piece of foreign technology. You haven't seen anything like this before. It actually seems way more mechanical than things you're used to. Even your ship and even a lot of the things that Lord's Armada uses are often a combination of low tech and high magic. From what you see, this appears to be extremely technical. It seems to be a very complex machine. And as you examine it, it almost looks like there is a place for some sort of large, um, maybe roughly four or five feet size sphere to kind of fit into. There are these grooves that look like something rounded could fit into it quite easily. And then there seems to be all these intricate wires that are going from this device and across the stone floor, and they seem to be woven into almost the gaps and the cracks between the stone tiles and they seem to be leading straight into the walls themselves. You also notice that there is some weird glass tube that is attached to a copper pipe that is also attached to the side of this as well as a few other sort of metal tubes that look similar to exhaust pipes. You're not really sure what this thing does but it does certainly look like whatever this device is is attached to the wall in multiple ways through these pipes and through a lot of these intricate wires. It definitely seems like something is meant to fit into this spot, and then it is somehow able to interact with whatever this device is connected to.
0: Gorgeous. Doc, I think we found ourselves a nervous system.
2: Mm, Just don't touch anything, please.
0: I won't. Unless I find a sphere, in which case I want to put it in. But uh, no, I won't now.
2: <laughs> Thank you. Kanan and Info, after hearing Dr. Shepard contact you telepathically, you come walking out of this side room where the arrow slits were located and you had found the rusted weapons. And you're now standing back in the main foyer that is in front of the hallway and it overlooks the central area of the temple. One of the things you notice, in addition to the where the two rust monsters are feeding on the powdered rust. You notice that just below the edge of that little balcony is another mechanical device. This device appears to be some sort of iron object that's about five feet wide and maybe three feet long. It appears to be about six or seven feet tall, nearly half the height of the balcony that you stand upon. And beside it is another metal box with all sorts of dials and gauges and things that seem to be measuring whatever output this machine creates. You also notice coming from the side of this machine is a large copper tube that connects to a series of glass bulbs. And they too have wires coming from them that are connecting somewhere into the walls. They all seem to be intricately woven in between the cracks in the stone floor. They are designed in such a way that they are meant to not be obtrusive. And at the front end of this strange device that you're looking at appears to be a rounded little area, a rounded groove that is set into the stone floor below. And sitting on top of that rounded groove is a large, uh, it appears to be like a large glass sphere, almost almost like a semicircle. Half of this large glass sphere seems to be submerged below the surface of the ground. From where you stand up here above this device, it's very, very hard to tell what its purpose is or what it does. And it's certainly something you notice if you are overlooking the central area of this temple, um, just right below that balcony. Did you want to do anything uh, upon seeing this, or were you simply going to go towards Dr. Shepard after he had contacted you?
3: I would turn to Info and say, I don't know about you, but that thing really makes me want a poached egg. A lotty. That thing makes me want to hit some buttons.
5: I, I have an idea. We can see those rust monsters from here, right?
2: Yes. From up here, you are absolutely able to see the two rust monsters, and they both seem to be digging into the stone ground in the center of the room, and it's very clear to you, especially after observing the other rust monsters that you had just encountered a few minutes before, um, it's, it's very clear to you that they seem to be burrowing or feasting on the rust. They also don't appear to be very interested in you, or perhaps they haven't even noticed you.
5: Okay, I'm going to kneel down and clear away the debris, and Info's going to go, Rodney, lad, come here, it's time to do a little bit of the dingly dangly and I'm going to lay down on my stomach with my arms and my shoulders like over the edge. And Rodney's going to like roll up on my back on his treads. Then he's going to, like, roll up him, and reach and grab him. I'm just going to lift him over and dangle him upside down, and he is going to be there able to reach the
2: controls. You walk out of the room, and, yeah, you're able to take Rodney and try to dangle him over the edge of this balcony. What is your goal here as you dangle Rodney over the edge of this balcony above this strange mechanical device?
5: Uh, we're going to look at the control panel there and see... If we can figure out some of the controls, maybe like an, an on button or something like that. So I'm just going to, I'm holding Rodney. I'm like, lad, lad, do you see? Do you see a switch or, a, or a, on, like a, an on button? Something that put, something that says power. Look for something with like a, a circle with a little line in it or something like that. Like, like something that really just looks like it wants to be pushed. And Rodney's just like... No, lad, I don't know what it fucking looks like. Just start hitting some buttons then he starts punching buttons with his little comically large cartoon hands
2: as ronnie begins pressing random buttons and turning random gauges and flicking random switches you will suddenly feel the ground beneath you begin to shake as you hear a deep rumbling coming from somewhere in the temple below you and that is where we're going to end tonight's episode This is Jeremy, your DM. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Eclipse. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did when we were recording it. We had a lot of fun. It's really, really hard to ever stop, no matter how late it gets. The next episode of Eclipse will release in two weeks, so make sure that you subscribe to Eclipse so you never miss any of our episodes. And if you've enjoyed Eclipse, please tell your friends about us. Please go wherever you like to get your podcasts and leave us a review. Those things are super helpful, especially for a brand new podcast. You can keep up to date with all of the Eclipse content by following us on Twitter. That's at Eclipse Pod. We are super, super active on Twitter. And you can also go to the Eclipse where you can learn about our show and our crew and the voice actors that are playing the characters on Eclipse. Eclipse is part of the Majestic Goose Podcast Network, so you'll definitely want to go and check that out as well. We are home to over a dozen amazing podcasts and streams, everything from actual plays to talk shows. We even do a weekly live nerdy craft stream on Twitch, so we really do all of it here at the Majestic Goose Network. We release new content six days a week with shows like Doom Clock, One Shot Onslaught, Halfway to Heroes, Dice Talk, Roll for Weird, and many, many more. So go to MajesticGoose.com and check out all of that awesome stuff that we're doing. Check out our streaming schedule and come say hi to us. Thanks again for tuning in and I'll talk to you next time on Eclipse.